Hello, uh, welcome back to the podcast. We are continuing to review A Search for Common Ground um, by Hess and Nogueira. We are starting this week with social emotional learning and it's stemming from the effects of No Child Left Behind where we talked about with the achievement gap and then with the last podcast where we talked about testing and accountability. As we move towards social and emotional learning, social and emotional learning is something I I have an idea about, but I don't know how to fully utilize it within my classroom. And so as I'm reading through this, I'm kind of getting some ideas from Pedro and Rick as to why I may feel this way. Uh, And as I go on through this podcast, I'll point out some key features within the text that I have connected with. So let's get started. As we get into social emotional learning, I'm going to pick up with where Pedro starts off. Well, Rick starts off, but I'm going to pick up to where Pedro responds back to Rick about how schools are expected to kind of pick up the this mess that No Child Left Behind left or the aftermath of it where students don't feel as supported. We're not really teaching the whole child. And, I, and that's accurate. We aren't teaching the whole child We are only solely focusing on them passing a test score when school is much more than that. So now we have to deal with all the kids who have test anxiety and school anxiety, and they have this fear of failure. And this is where social-emotional learning comes into play. So in this chapter, Rick, or I'm sorry, Pedro, kind of defines on what social emotional learning should help with. I know I stated earlier that I don't really I haven't really seen social emotional learning used ever or don't I don't know how to use it, but I I, I think I've misspoke earlier and I think I want to say that I haven't seen social emotional learning done well within a school. Not even at the one I'm at currently. So Pedro explains that uh, social emotional learning is due for restorative practices. He states that a commitment to building strong, positive relationships to promote learning and child development should be taking place within the schools. But honestly, what I've seen, that's not happening. I had a school during student teaching is where they solely focused on restorative justice, and it was kind of frustrating to see when a kid acted out and their behavior was wrong and we sent them to the office and they come back with a lollipop. That's not how I would have thought restorative justice would be. Like, yes, they can talk throughout their feelings about why they acted up, but there should be some consequence to their actions and there was no consequence. And I feel like that's just because we we don't really know how to really enforce these within the school system. And what I would lo- what I would recommend is having someone who are not teachers running these 
social emotional learnings. Like we do our social emotional learning days um, every, every day for 20 minutes during our hawk huddle, which is just another word for advisement. So advisement is to like give out all the information that the students need, keep them updated, and then run some sort of social emotional skill. Right now, that is not happening. We don't get any lesson plans for Hawk Huddle or our social emotional learning. We don't have anyone telling us, oh, make sure you're covering this topic, or we're going to talk about bullying today, and we're going to talk about uh, how to go about your feelings if you're anger or you're angry. We don't have that. And so our school, I'll just go out and say it, we are not focusing on social emotional learning whatsoever. It's kind of like a free 20 minutes for the kids to just kind of chill out and sit out and relax, which I think they need more than, which I think may help in the long run, but we are not fulfilling our bargain of social emotional learning. And it goes to show that clearly our school isn't the only one who is like that because when Pedro brings it up, he says, this is why many schools struggle. They struggle because they don't know how to exactly handle these children. And so they just go ahead and they lean to what they know, which is suspending and putting them in ISS, and which isn't what the students need at all. As we get into social-emotional learning, I'm going to pick up with where Pedro starts off. Well, Rick starts off, but... I'm going to pick up to where Pedro responds back to Rick about how schools are expected to kind of pick up the this mess that No Child Left Behind left or the aftermath of it where students don't feel as supported. We're not really teaching the whole child. And, I, and that's accurate. We aren't teaching the whole child we are only solely focusing on them passing a test score when school is much more than that. So now we have to deal with all the kids who have test anxiety and school anxiety, and they have this fear of failure. And this is where social-emotional learning comes into play. So in this chapter, Rick, or I'm sorry, Pedro, kind of defines on what social emotional learning should help with. I know I stated earlier that I don't really, I haven't really seen social emotional learning used ever or don't, I don't know how to use it, but I, I, I think I've misspoke earlier and I think I want to say that I haven't seen social emotional learning done well within a school, not even at the one I'm at currently. So Pedros explains that uh, social emotional learning is due for restorative practices. He states that a commitment to building strong, positive relationships to promote learning and child development should be taking place within the schools. But honestly, what I've seen, that's not happening. I had a school during student teaching is where they've solely focused on restorative justice. And it was kind of frustrating to see when a kid acted out and their behavior was wrong and we sent them to the office and they come back with a lollipop. That's not how I would have thought restorative justice would be. Like, yes, they can talk throughout their feelings about why they acted up, but there should be some consequence to their actions and there was no consequence. 
And I feel like that's just because we, we don't t really know how to really enforce these within the school system. And what I would what I would recommend is having someone who are not teachers running these social emotional learnings. Like we do our social emotional learning days um, every, every day for 20 minutes during our hot cuddle, which is just another word for advisement. So advisement is to like give out all the information that the students need, keep them updated, and then run some so sort of social emotional skill. Right now, that is not happening. We don't get any lesson plans for hot cuddle or our social emotional learning. We don't have anyone telling us, oh, make sure you're covering this topic, or we're going to talk about bullying today, and we're going to talk about uh, how to go about your feelings if you're anger or, or angry. We don't have that. And so our school, I'll just go out and say it, we are not focusing on social emotional learning whatsoever. It's kind of like a free 20 minutes for the kids to just kind of chill out and sit out and relax, which I think they need more than, which I think may help in the long run, but we are not fulfilling our bargain of social emotional learning. And it goes to show that clearly our school isn't the only one who is like that because when Pedro brings it up, he says, this is why many schools struggle. They struggle because they don't know how to exactly handle these children. And so they just go ahead and they lean to what they know, which is suspending and putting them in ISS, and which isn't what the students need at all. I do believe that administration does have a big push on the culture of our school, especially when it comes to discipline. I think my school focused a little bit too much on discipline and not enough on celebrating the victories that we do have. I think they noticed that. I think they've noticed that within the last year, so they are trying to change it. Their PBIS team is trying to turn that around. We had a whole new administration come in last year, uh, completely new. A lot of them are first-year administrators. Actually, all of them were first-year administrators, and I think their goal was to kind of set the tone of like this isn't going to fly with us like you have x y and z it's a whole new board and so it was a lot for the students to get adjusted to it because when you you get used to one for so long especially the seniors last year it was it was a headbutt and i it was my first year at the school it's my first year teaching and so i really i just kind of went with the flow because i had you know no say in the fight, um, or I, I couldn't see the difference, but a lot of the students did, and they they were fighting it tooth and nail. And I think that one thing our administrators did well, I think, over the summer is they realized they kind of pushed a little bit too hard when it came to, like, student behaviors and what they were deemed in trouble for versus what they weren't, which was the opposite of what happened when I was student teaching where kids just got away with anything. Now I went to a school where for the littlest things, my students would be sent to ISS. And these are kids who needed to be in the classroom and they refused or not didn't refuse, but they just didn't do their work when they weren't in the room. And so the more times I kept getting ISS because they had their hood on in, in the hallways or in class. Um, even if they were active and they were paying attention in class, the administrators would come by, they look to see a kid with the hood on, and they like 
get ISS and then that kid would spend the rest of the day in ISS. And so it was like little things like that that kept adding up. And to me, I'm thinking that's like, these are small battles that I wouldn't fight right now. I wouldn't send a kid to ISS for, but those are the things that my school was pushing. And so I was reading through and I believe Rick explained that this is like the issue that we're having is, is that they just don't know how to effectively use SELs or the administrators don't like to admit that there are problems because then it looks bad on them. And one thing that my school, well, one of the administrators, the discipline administrator, he did comment on, he goes, I will admit we did send a lot of kids to ISS last year and at home and we sent them home. We sent them back virtual because that was an option. He goes, we're not doing that this year. And so there has been a bit of a twist a little bit. There's not as much of kids getting sent to ISS for, for petty things as I would call it. Um, but I feel as if a lot of these emotions are caused by an adult overreaction. And I think it's because we as teachers don't really know how to conflict manage when it comes to students who are being emotional. We're never really taught how to do it. We're told like, hey, you need to de-escalate a situation. But I feel like even teachers need to be, if they are wanting us to teach SEL lessons, they should give us a like, okay, if you're ever in this situation, here are some interventions that you can do. Here's how you can handle the student who is aggressive or the student who is feeling sad or depressed. We are not really told how to do that. I'm not sure if that's a guidance counselor or our school counselor thing or if it's a district-wide thing, but that's something that I would like to see implemented within our county. Um, if you guys have any ideas on how you guys implement SELs within your schools, again, I am in a high school, and it, it's tough. Like, I don't, I don't know how, high schoolers don't really like to talk, but if you guys have any tips on getting kids to interact and fully participate in SEL lessons, please let me know so I can bring it to my school because we clearly need all of the help that we can get. But I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.